Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Prosperity by the Pine. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, and certified investment management analyst. I'm also a self-proclaimed millennial money expert. This is the podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. The cold beer of choice this week is Founders Mosaic Promise Single Hop Ale. It is from Founders Brewing Company in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, and this beer is 5.5% alcohol, 50 IBUs. Let's give it a try. Ooh, that is good. <clears throat> it's got a lot of flavor, but that is good. That is really good. I like it. You know, I do all these podcasts with all these different breweries, and we try and tag them on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, and nobody sent me a T-shirt or a hat or a free beer yet. I can't figure it out, guys. But this week, I want to talk about what might cause the next financial crisis. So I'm not actually talking about a recession. Recessions are relatively common. Uh, we've had 16 recessions since the 19, the Great Depression of 1930, um, so about one every five years or so. Um, most recently was uh, the 2008 recession, 2008-2009. Recession is defined as two negative quarters of GDP in a row. So GDP is gross domestic product, or basically the sum of all the products and services that we do here in the United States. And if that is shrinking for two quarters in a row, that's a recession. So recessions can vary in scale, but uh, uh, the, the, the two worst ones that I would actually call financial crises are the Great Depression of the 1930s and the Great Recession, the global financial crisis of 2008. <clears throat> so what might actually cause another, another global financial crisis, another true we're on the teetering on the brink of our financial system collapsing. What might cause this to happen again? And so I thought as a thought experiment, what we might do is look at what caused the Great Recession and the Great Depression. So a little thought experiment here. So are there any commonalities? That's one thing we want to look at when we're looking through this. And we want to look at what those commonalities mean, right? So um, I'll just tell you, one of the things that you're going to see between the Great Recession and the Great Depression is that there's a banking problem. And anytime there's a banking problem, uh, we got a big problem. That turns a recession into a depression pretty quickly. <clears throat> so the Great Depression got started. Basically, the, the, you know, you've heard the stories of the Roaring Twenties and the Flapper Girls and the Speakeasies and all that jazz. Is Things were pretty exuberant then. And lending was pretty loose. The Federal Reserve had artificially kept rates, interest rates low. And so there was a lot of lending and a lot of borrowing going on. Now at the time, you got to remember, we were on the gold standard. So if you had a dollar or five dollars or whatever, you could go to your bank that was holding your gold and turn that in. And therefore, you were exchanging your dollars for gold. <clears throat> Keep that in mind as I go through the story. So in the late 1920s, uh, the Fed stopped keeping interest rates artificially low. They raised interest rates. And at the same time, roughly, they, uh, they passed uh, some, some um, trade legislation that resulted in tariffs and was a huge, huge impact negatively on, on global trade uh, for the United States, that is. <clears throat> and so what ended up happening was you had a, uh, essentially a stock market crash and then you had tariffs. And then the government made things worse by a couple of things that they did. One of the things they did was raise taxes. So just if anybody's never taken an economics class, economics 101 says is if there is a recession, you 
do not raise taxes. You lower taxes and you spend money. That's what the government should do. That way they're injecting money into the economy and that's how you get out of recession. Instead, they did the opposite. They stopped spending money and they raised taxes. So they went against economics one-on-one. <clears throat> this is probably, depends who you ask, but it's probably the main reason that the Great Depression turned into a depression and is famous as opposed to just a normal recession. So anyways, you had this these banks that were backed by the gold standard. So what ended up happening is the economy got gradually worse through this recession is people went to you know cash out their gold. And most banks at the time were regional or community banks. You had very small banks, one, two, three branches, and all these rural communities. And basically 50% of banks failed. There was massive rush, uh, rushes on these banks, and they failed. And then when banks fail, people can't get to their money and people can't borrow money, the economy reaches a, a stopping point. Most companies borrow money for all kinds of endeavors, whether it's day-to-day -day operations uh, via margin or large-scale products to issue new, new, new uh, projects to issue new products. <clears throat> but when credit tightens, markets collapse. And that's what happened during the Great Depression. Eventually, we got our way out of it, but it really wasn't until World War II and the, the United States war engine got fired up and that created a lot of jobs and, and so forth. The, also, the interesting thing that really helped us get out of this, this, this uh, depression was with World War II starting after World War II and really the United States coming in as, to its own as an economic powerhouse is after World War II, we were the only global industrial power that was not destroyed essentially because of World War II. But that's just a history lesson. This is a topic I find fascinating, so I might end up running this one a little long. Strap in, we're going to be entertained. So if we look at that, that's the Great Depression. Now the Great Recession. Now the roots of that started in the 1990s. There's a couple things that happened is that there was this, this massive support, bipartisan support for uh, getting every American into the American dream of owning a home. And so regulations and, and standards on, on borrowers got lessened and lessened and lessened. So we were all able to go and get a mortgage, even though we might not be able to afford the home. And what ended up that leading to is banks financially engineering products called credit default swaps or mortgage-backed securities. And you don't need to know the definition or exactly how those work, but basically they were garbage um, at the end of the day. And when people started f defaulting on their mortgages, those, those products uh, started to default and the banks were on the line for them in certain degrees and pension funds and 401ks and all kinds of investments. So you had a snowball effect. Now the government decided to bail out some financial institutions. Now this helped to a certain degree, but it also created some more uncertainty. Like how bad is it that the U S government has to step in to save these entities? Um, at least they, what they didn't do is raise taxes and, uh, and decrease spending. Instead, they injected money into the economy. It's quite likely if they didn't step in or they took the same actions that the government did during the 1920s and 1930s that we would have entered a, a global depression. Instead, only 0.6% of banks failed as opposed to 50%. Now, one could make an argument that we're not actually that much better off with the way the banking system is now because now you have institutions that are even larger and more powerful and we're all just account numbers to them. If you want more on that, just see episode five, uh, why you should fire your big bank, which I think is our most popular episode. So apparently there's a lot of like-minded people on there. 
So the collapse of the, uh, the causes of the two recessions have a lot of similarities, but the, the main reason that you can tie them together, because they have a lot of differences too, the main causes were not, were not that similar, but the main reason they were so bad is credit. And, and when credit gets shut down, you have serious problems for the U.S. economy because businesses and consumers need to be able to borrow to operate. So what might cause the next major financial crisis? And after that rant, I got to take a beer break. Yeah, I still really like that. It is, uh, it's, it's, it's very piney. It's a very piney one. Uh, I don't know what they use. So it says it's a single hop. I don't know what the single hop is though. So I, I, I did do a little, uh, brewing, uh, beer, bleh, brewing in my day. And, uh, if you really want to like, you know, figure out how to make a beer taste a certain way you make single hop beers because then you can understand how uh, uh what flavor profile one hop can add to a beer so most ipas have two or three different kinds of hops and if you're getting like a piney flavor or like a honey flavor you don't know which hop might be adding that but when you do the single hops you can say oh i like this particular feature so just a fun fact there so what might cause the next one <clears throat> and i don't know that this i, I gotta have to say this because I don't want to cause any major fears or anything. I'm not a, I, I, I tend to be an optimist, but I think that we're on a lot more solid footing now as far as global financial crisis risks are concerned because of all the, th- some of the things that have been implemented. So banks are tested for their credit worthiness and, and uh, they're stress tested and you have coordination between European central bankers and, and our Federal Reserve and so on. So I think we're in a better place there. So I think the risk of these kind of things happening uh, and being exasperated are, are probably not what they once were. But my biggest fear, <clears throat> this is my biggest fear for the economy, um, would be if the U.S. were to default on its debt. So in order to understand the two ramifications of that risk, Economy 101 this is the premise on which most, if not all, financial models are built on, and that is the safest investment in the world is one that is backed by the U.S. and the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. With that being said, that's why foreign governments buy our debt. That's why China buys our debt. That's why everybody buys our debt. Pension funds, they're all buying U.S. Treasury bonds. And then Social Security system, you name it, pension funds, uh, they're all buying U.S.-backed bonds. Now, if there was a scenario where one of two things happen, uh, let's say China or all foreign entities altogether decide to stop buying U.S. bonds, we got a problem because we need them to keep buying our bonds in order to keep funding the obligations on the existing bonds, right? Because on bonds, you have to pay interest. So we're paying interest on all these bonds that China and Japan and Europe and pension funds own, right? So if they stop buying them, we have to find the money to make the interest payments, and we cannot do that right now. So... That could be one. The other one would be is if for whatever reason we become unable to meet those obligations, we can't make the interest payments. What you would see essentially instantly is the credit markets freeze, stock market would crash, the market would probably be halted because trading can be halted, which means people can't get their money out. Uh, with major problem. You're going to see Social Security have major, uh, major problems and uh, world economies would start to collapse. So if the U.S. government would ever default on its debt, we got big, big problems. Um, and that's where I look at people and say, like, I don't see how a bar of gold does you any good if nobody's accepting any financial transactions whatsoever, right? Like, you know, penicillin's worth more than gold in that particular environment. But 
this is a man, this is probably, I don't like, it's not deep seated in my mind as like, this is a high probability of happening. But if you were to ask me, what's my largest financial fear as far as the economy is concerned, not personally, it, it would be that the U S government would default because it is the worst possible scenario. So I don't know. And that would cause the next global financial crisis. I don't think it's very likely of happening. People say our, our, our dollar is not backed by anything. I couldn't disagree more. I think our dollar is backed by our military. Uh, essentially we have, you know, the strongest military and I think that that, and that and strategic alliances are, are huge for the dollar, but it is a concern, especially since the federal def, uh, debt is over two twenty two trillion now. Um, the G- debt to GDP ratio is only ever been higher during world war two. And there's a good reason world war two is happening, right? So, um, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. Um, if it were to happen, huge problem, but I don't think it's very likely. So potential cause right, uh, number two, um, I think a pension fund shortage could be a problem. So we're already seeing, um, you know, there's trillions and trillions of dollars in pension funds in the United States, both private and public pensions. And almost all of them are a little bit cash strapped. Uh, there's a lot that are actually extremely underfunded. So here's the problem with that is that when they start to default, if they do, it's not going to, it's going to be because of a systemic risk, which means it's a market risk. All of them are impacted by the same thing at the same time because they're all investing in securities markets and they all are serving a similarly aging population. And as medical science continues to evolve and improve and people are living longer, these pension funds get stretch, stretch, stretch more. So if you have a large market downturn where the the market, stock market is going down, the bond market's not performing well, pension funds are losing value. Meanwhile, if there's medical innovations that cause us to live longer, so the pension funds have to pay out more and more and more, you can see a situation where pension funds start to go belly up. And, the, and there's a pension reserve fund, essentially, I think it's the PBIG, PBIC, um, that the federal government has set up to, to compensate these pension funds. Uh, they're not the funds, the, the individuals should the pension funds fail. And it doesn't have enough money to handle massive pension failures. So if you get a situation where a bunch of pension re- recipients are now all of a sudden not receiving their paychecks, that is a huge, huge negative impact on the economy. Um, at the same time, if they were experiencing those issues, so security departments probably facing those issues and you have, you have kind of a snowball compound effect. So I think that's probably, um, that's actually might be a, 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 a more likely risk than the U S government defaulting. Actually, I would say it's a lot more likely, uh, but it's also a lot less severe because there's a lot of things that the government could do to step in and help there. Anytime we're talking about a situation where the government has to step in and help to save the global economy, though, it's probably a problem, like a big problem. So potential cause number three. So students loan default or credit card loan default or uh, car loan default. So there's this buildup of consumer debt. And I think if we were to see economy that was bad enough to cause massive defaults on consumer loans, I think that could really exasperate the problem. Like the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department can bail out J.P. Morgan because they just write them a blank check and Congress approves it. How do you bail out 360 million people from hundreds of thousands of different individual loans? Like I don't know how that would that would go through, 
right? And so if there was a massive, uh, if there was a recession that led to massive defaults on consumer debt, I think that problem could eventually snowball. And that actually might be the most likely of these three scenarios, although probably the uh, least negatively impacted because we do see large defaults on consumer debt every time we do have a recession because people lose their jobs and they can't pay their bills. It sucks, but that's the way that happens. So, I, again, I want to stress this. I think the the likelihood of one of these scenarios playing out, particularly the first one I highlighted, is really low compared to what it might have been at a different point. I also think – I'm going to pause for a second. One of the episodes I filmed recently, uh, which you guys will see probably next week, I had a guest on. I got to finish my beer, and it's really nice when I get to do that. But anyways – I think when you're looking at these scenarios, you know, they're, they're, they're so dramatic, it's hard for us to comprehend. The more likely stuff is like bank failures and things like that. And we're so tight on those kind of things right now um, with stress tests and things that I don't think that we're, we're close to those kind of um, circumstances happening. But at the same time, you know, usually these types of risks you don't see coming, right? Uh, if more people saw it coming they would have taken action, right? So uh, a good, great example, uh, if you ever want to read a good book about the Great Recession, The Big Short's a good book. It's an entertaining book. It's also a movie. The book is better, of course, as all with um, movie book adaptations. Another uh, shorter movie is uh, Too Big to Fail, and that actually goes through the Treasury Department what they were doing. But what I was trying to say is that when you look at these scenarios where where people have predicted these kind of things happening, they're making movies about it because it was rare to predict it. They don't make movies about things that happen every single day, right? That's not entertaining. Like they don't make a movie about J.P. Morgan Chase being taken back uh, and surprised by you know the credit default swaps failing. Because guess what? Every single day for like 10 years, they were surprised by that. So they just don't make movies about that. But I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I don't hope I'm not too uh, negative during this week's episode. But I hope you got some interesting uh, history facts. And I wanted to just say, don't forget to subscribe. YouTube, Spotify, podcast servers, wherever you listen. iTunes, we're there. We want you to subscribe. Have a great day. Cheers. Cheers.